Welcome back, episode number 13. Thanks for joining us, guys. We've got a couple things to go over tonight. Well, this is awesome. First off, as the audio engineer, there's going to be some weird audio on this. Jimmy's currently driving on the beltway around his city. Is that correct, Jimmy? Yeah. Head, well, just now started on I-65 South. Yeah. So let's see if we can get you some engine noise here. Hold on. Yeah, I'll leave that in just for fun. But really what I've got to edit out is the background music, which would probably include Waylon Jennings, the Alan Parsons Project, and of course, Jimmy's favorite song by the Crash Test Dummies. That's the one. See, the thing is, Jimmy's got an iPad that we recorded this thing on, and last night during our recording, the iPad fell out of a, what do you keep it in, a vice grip? What do you hold it up with, Jimmy? What is it? Bench vice, yeah. A bench vice. So, just so you know, that's what's happening. In, that's yeah, that is normal. That's what's happening in the background. So, you know, in uh, in reference to Jimmy's favorite song, once there was this kid who only had an iPad to record his podcast, <laughs> and then it fell on the ground, and that falling on the ground caused this first part of the podcast to record only seven seconds of his voice. But by the way, the iPad fell at, at minute 11. So we're going to catch you up. We're doing it. We're doing the first part all over again for you. And it's going to be even better because you'll have Alan Parsons Project playing in the background. <laughs> um, so I thought Jimmy would start again today with uh, these updates. Uh, the first is revolving around Carvana. And I know we've talked about them struggling a little bit. Uh, they announced yesterday that they're adopting a net operating loss, quote-unquote, poison pill. And this poison pill is actually a tax provision that allows them to carry over the loss from this year and deduct it from future profits, which will lower their federal income tax. And the reason is that they, are, uh, they have $4 billion worth of auto loans. And then last year they bought a company called Adesa, A-D-E-S-A, which is a physical auction business for cars. They spent $2.2 billion in, on that. And so they're trying to sell off these auto loans. And for the past couple of weeks, I've been getting probably three to four email a day from Carvana. And these email, the, the most recent one, they were having an overstock sale. So they're trying to cut down their operating costs and their balance sheets in this money. So as an example, in 2020, their revenue was $5.5 billion. 2021, they jumped all the way to $12.8 billion. And in 2022, they had a revenue of $14.52 billion. Breaking this down over the last four quarters, they had quarterly earnings of $3.5 billion, but their income was a negative $89 million for one quarter, negative $260 million. Ow. And then for the last two quarters, yeah, last two quarters were negative $238 million each so they're struggling that makes me uh, nervous for them but excited for car prices used car prices finally can start going down now's the time to buy that subaru jimmy <laughs> yeah that now not when i bought it when it was at its peak i, w- I want to take a little credit for for that happening since i bought it at its peak because when i do that things change right <laughs> yes yeah it's usually how it goes I'm in the same boat. You know, I always miss it. You know, the gas prices go down, I buy an electric car. Gas prices skyrocket, I sell the electric car and buy a gas-powered car. That's just <laughs> the way it works. Perfect timing. 
I'm the opposite of the market. And then one more update, uh, just quickly. We, we spoke about that uh, BMW station wagon last week. Lovely car. And I thought I would run through some of these manufacturers and what they like to call their station wagons. If you remember from last week, BMW likes to call a station wagon a touring car, which makes it sound fancy. The Audi has one called an Avant. They also have one called an Allroad. Mercedes, just sticking with wagon. Porsche calls it the Gran Turismo. Volvo calls it an estate car. I think all station wagons in in, uh, Europe are called estate cars. Bentley and Ferrari, they have cars. They're not four-door station wagons, as you would think, but they're usually two doors. They kind of look like a station wagon, and they like to call them the shooting brake. BMW has one of those, too, the little M Roadster. They call that the shooting brake as well. And then Dodge Charger, yeah, they call it the Magnum, (laughs) which to me is very funny. And then, of course, Subaru's got one, but they call it an Outback for some reason. Nobody knows why. (laughs) Probably because there's more room out back. Who knows? So those are my awesome updates for the week. I I just like how Mercedes is like, yeah, we don't care. Just call it a wagon. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to put no effort into that. Just call it a wagon. Yeah. And then, Jimmy, would you ever buy a station wagon? Well, yeah. I mean, would I? Yeah. Well, like I said last time, uh, 55 or 57 Chevy Nomad. That would be no, my No, no, I'm talking about modern. I'm talking about a modern wagon. Probably not. Not even a, not even a Dodge Magnum? <laughs> definitely, definitely not a Dodge Magnum. <laughs> I have to say, there are several modern station wagons that I would drive. I would drive the Gran Turismo from Porsche. I would drive the Mercedes wagon, but it would have to be an AMG. I would drive the Cadillac CTS Type V wagon for sure. I'm a wagon guy. I could see that on those uh, two years of Chevy. That's it. Two years in the 50s. That's yeah. it. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> that was the pinnacle of uh, station wagon building in, in my mind. Yeah. Do you ever wonder why they call it a station wagon? Yes. Because it was a wagon that took people to the station. <laughs> of course. Of course it is. If all things could be so simple. <laughs> got a couple auctions I want to go over just on bring a trailer the X Steve McQueen 1939 Nimbus Model C with sidecar so that's a, a motorcycle and it's got a sidecar on it when I saw Steve McQueen I'm like oh I got to check this out and the best part for me of this auction is not the motorcycle or the sidecar which that's kind of cool because you know it's a sidecar the best part was it comes with this it's called a McQueen certificate of authenticity it's from a November 1984 Steve McQueen estate sale auction in Las Vegas and is signed by the actor's daughter and son. You just need to go online and look at that and just imagine this thing, this McQueen certificate of authenticity could also just as well be like a, a burger menu at a fast food place. It just has that look about it. Anyway, it's definitely worth taking a look at. That was, that was my biggest draw to this whole auction. It may be a restaurant owned by Chuck Stevens from Idaho, his burger restaurants. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shady it's it's a shady restaurant. I wouldn't eat there. I like to eat, but I would not eat there and I would be very nervous about it. But that's I know what their menu would look like. And anyway, you gotta check that out. And then also, uh, you know, we were talking about that a little earlier. You made the comment that, that the sidecar has a, a windscreen on it and the motorcycle does not. <laughs> Which is which is pretty awesome. 
Probably the motorcycle, the reason is because they probably wear one of those leather helmets with the goggles. And in the sidecar, you know, you don't want your hair to get messed up. So there you go. No, no, you're, yeah, it's a, it's a fancy day for you in the sidecar. But when you're, when you're <laughs> driving the motorcycle, it's a different story. It's all work. It's all work for that fella or lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you going to town in the sidecar? Yes, I am. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> it is a cool looking motorcycle. Yeah, it is, but that certificate of authenticity is the that's the whole reason you want to go look at that auction. So that was the first one, and then the second one was the twin plug nineteen seventy seven. Uh, this also on bring a trailer twin plug nineteen seventy seven Porsche Carrera three point coupe five speed. And the only reason I chose it is because I don't know what the twin plug system is, but I think that would be great to put in the garage next to the twin cam. And then I went looking for pictures of the twin plug system and I did not see any of that. But I like the idea of, I'm imagining it, it's like you have to pay double for the spark plugs when you go to do a tune-up. And that just seems so excessive and extravagant. So that's why that other, that's why this car is my other pick. Because you just, something with twin in it. Twin, and then just the fact that you know it's double the cost for the spark plugs. Yeah, Jimmy's a Jimmy's a twin himself, so that's the twin cam. <laughs> twin and I have plug. twins. Yeah, and he has yeah, twins. So. Yeah, he's a it's twin cam in the garage, twins in the house. You grew up a twin, crazy. It's getting creepy yeah, now. Maybe I need to get a twin turbo. Maybe that's the next. Either the twin plug or the twin turbo. But you've always liked that yeah. uh, speed yellow twin turbo. 996. True. I support you in that, by the way. You need more cars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, more. Another car. My wife would love that. She'll like that story. All right. Well, I've got two auctions. Uh, Also, both of them on Bring a Trailer. One of them is a 2001 BMW 740i Sport with a six-speed conversion. And I think you remember when I had my black... 2001 740 Sport. I do. I like that car. I would have to list that car as probably in the top three of all the cars I've owned. I loved it. Unbelievable car. Went from um, a 1996 M3 sedan to this 2001 BMW 740 Sport. And I would say it was way more fun to drive the 740 Sport than it was to drive the M3. And the M3 was manual transmission. This was wow. an automatic. It was just a great car. So fast. So tight around the corners. It was just an amazing car to drive. And enormous. You could fit so many people in that car. But this is a really nice example of a car. It's had the six-speed conversion. I remember when I bought my 740. I probably bought that in 2004, 2005, some, sometime around there. And there was a fellow that I was following online on one website that's no longer existing, but he had a 750, which is a 12-cylinder version that he converted to a a manual transmission. And he was showing off or doing something and, you know, dropped the the clutch. And there was so much torque in that 12-cylinder engine that he actually had photos of his drive shaft twisting in half. Like it it twisted upon (laughs) itself and broke in half. And at that time, that was like a dream for me. I was like, that'd be the greatest car ever. (laughs) Uh, 
but I would love to have this six speed conversion. It's super clean. They've redone everything. Everything on the car is nearly brand new. They got the whole motor out cleaned up. I don't know if they did a dry ice cleaning or what they did, but it's just, it's super, super clean car. But six days left in the auction, already at 15 grand for that car. Good luck with the auction. That's a lot of money for that car. And it's going to keep going up. These are coming back in this E38 awesome. model. People love them. All right. Now we're going into the crazy world with my other auction. This one is a 23,000 mile 2014 Mercedes Benz G63 AMG 6x6 Brabus. B63S700. You just write that down. Remember that. It's easy to memorize. You, you had me at six by six. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, it is a <laughs> six-wheel drive G-Wagon made into a pickup truck. It's absolutely enormous. It says it weighs four and a half tons with 18 inches of ground clearance, 700 horsepower, Completely crazy car. I don't know what you'd do with this truck. It's unbelievable. It was shipped over here from Kuwait. That the paperwork is done and there's a clean Montana title. You know, a lot of these cars are owned by wealthy people that have corporations in Montana. But this is the same as that. Uh, we, remember we talked about the McLaren Speedtail, Jimmy? That had to have, it was over here only on show or display. This is the same thing which only allows for 2,500 miles per year. And the National Highway Transportation, whatever, has to come and approve the sale and transfer of ownership. Pretty crazy. Some of the best comments here. Somebody said, I'll take what America would do to the G-Wagon if it bought Mercedes for $100, Alex. <laughs> 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 because that's exactly what it would happen. And then someone else said, a penguin dies in Antarctica every time this fired, every time this monster is fired up. <laughs> a massive vehicle. Crazy. You know, so that, those kinds of things being said, like this is a, it's been modified, right? When do modifications like this increase value and when do modifications decrease value? I've always wondered that. I'm a huge fan of the Porsche Cayenne, especially the, like the early generations and particularly the years 2008, 2009, 2010. I love them. And a lot of people are, you know, modifying those and lifting them and making them into overlanding vehicles, which I think, Jimmy, is probably your third favorite word. Runabout. It is, yeah. Runabout. Runabout and overlanding. Yeah. Overlanding. Yeah, that's a great word. Yeah, but they, they tend to go for more money when they lift them and put all that stuff on. Obviously, it costs money to do that, so there's some added value. But Well, I would say that the modification has to be one that is acceptable by the, the, the that particular car's community. I mean, the only way I can relate to it is I have this MGA. It's a 1500, and the original 1500 engine put out 72 horsepower, and I, I got a hold of a, an MGB, an early MGB engine, an 1800 engine, and that adds about another 20, 25 horsepower to it, which just makes it nicer. But the engine looks identical to the, other than a casting, other than a uh, casting mark, you know, one says 15 and one says 18 on the side. And I would say that that modification, like these other modifications that you're talking about in the realm of that type of car, gives it a drivability improvement. And then there's not maybe a big sacrifice in in the aesthetics 
or it improves the aesthetics or it's a different aesthetic that's acceptable, like the overlanding kind of look. Whereas in the MG, there's no, there's no obvious aesthetic difference. It looks like the original engine, but you get that drivability upgrade. Um, and so I would say that would be something that would be additive to the value as far as a modification and the, and the overlanding, you know, puts it in a different category of use that you wouldn't have. So that adds drivability, you know, so to speak in, in those terms versus, you know, something that might be, I like, we're going to use that word polarizing again, something more polarizing and something maybe perhaps more uniquely suited to an individual than the car community, than that car's community as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. I've always thought that there's some strangeness to all of this when the modifications, in some cases, I think they take them too far, but they become valuable. So, for example, Porsche, there's a, a group called Singer that takes a car and completely restores it, rebuilds yep. it. They're, you know, anywhere from the 70s uh, to the 90s. And those things go for $1.2 million, but they're works of art in and of themselves. That's an issue of quality, right? I mean, pe- people can, that's quality versus some somebody shoehorning a, a small block Chevy in the back, which I've seen them do to mm-hmm. some of these Porsches. That may go against the, the greater community, right. the car community, right? But then at the same time, there's this dude, Raul Welt, RWB, wide body Porsches. I don't know if you've seen any of these. Is he the Asian fella? Yeah. Is he... Is he from Japan, I think. Or? Yeah, he does an unbelievable job. Yeah, um, but he smokes and, about a hundred thousand <laughs> cigarettes while he's doing it. Yeah, yes, yeah. And he just puts his wide body kit on, and and he has a style, right? He has yeah. a certain style with the wide bodies and 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 the then big fins kind of the, and that, the, that modification. Yeah, and I, I would say, I mean, it's hard to get in for me. That's not an appeal, but I could see where the Porsche community would really. You know, because it's sort of a, like it's the stuff that they did to those JDM cars, those uh, Datsuns and that sort of thing. Like like when they really put that t- home homegrown twist on them, right? Like yeah. that's like to me, he t- did that and 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 did it, f- took it from a like a Datsun, like a Z, the two forty Zs. Yeah, they took that culture and then transplanted it onto the Porsche. I mean, that's my loose. That's that's the way I view it when I've looked at the videos and the things that he's done. But I think that's something that there's a segment of the Porsche community that really gravitates toward that, right? So he has a following. And I think some of them are better than others. Some of them, they go all in with extra downforce fins on the front and giant wings on the back. And some of them, they do a little bit more, quote unquote, conservative. Those are the ones I really like. Just the wide body without the rivets. Some of them have exposed riveting so you can see where the wide body kit's been added and so forth. And I, it's just very interesting how, you know, you take just a, a regular car, sometimes you modify it, doesn't do anything for value. And then, you know, you get a following like this fellow has and it just goes crazy. Very interesting. Kind of like Jim Alcorn at MGAs. Yeah, the twin cam, twin cam Jim, except that, he plays it pretty straight and by the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got anything else, Jimmy? No, I, we've bottomed out in episode 13. Where, where do we go from here? <laughs> That's right. That is right. I'll tell you what. We're glad you're listening. We're excited for the auctions. Every week, there's so much stuff to go through. 
that Jimmy and I just picked two. We just picked two each of hundreds of auctions. And so if any of you would like to come on and talk to us, just reach out to us at GLWTA podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have you. And, you know, for this week, let's uh, good luck with the auctions. Good luck with the auctions. And thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Guys and gals. <laughs> That's right. Especially our friend in Germany. Yeah. Thank you again. Once again, thank you. <laughs>